0: So hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today we're joined by Sai of Scope. So Sai is a really impressive young founder that I came across from Twitter. He uh, he was hosting a conversation with Matt Higgins who's another phenomenal entrepreneur and business mind and so yeah. So hi Sai. So could you please share a bit about how I wanted to first start with how has the startup landscape changed over the last two years and then Further along, I wanted to dive into your podcast and many other different topics that the audience would find beneficial. So firstly, how has the startup landscape changed over the last two years?
1: Well, it has changed, you know, very drastically, I must say. Uh, Now people are using the money sensibly. Uh, Earlier, it was like money was everywhere. But now I guess uh, people have become more judicious with where to put their money and how do you use it. And I guess, you know, it's fixing the market right now, what I can say, you know, market was haywire before. But I guess now because of the tight crunch, the funding winter, that uh, the buzzword that's been going around, I guess a lot of, let's say, stupid ideas are going down. Uh, And, you know, people who have content and who have, you know, value, who are adding value, they are still able to come up. So it's just that, you know, there is no useless money lying uh, lying around money is really you know being used judicious
0: i think just to recap for the audience so money is becoming more sensibly used and is being more judicious so vcs are not backing those stupid ideas that they were backing in the past and so now my next question for you so what kinds of ideas do you see like vcs funding these days and what, what do you think they would fund in the future? Like, what are the VC-backable models in the for the future?
1: Well, uh, if I have to come to that, you know, there are, uh, what do you say? I wrote a tweet on this as well, I suppose. Uh, people are the top 10 sectors, if you have to come to. It's about, you know, healthcare is one of the best, uh, you know, sectors that we're looking at. Uh, cleaner energy, space, gaming. And the verticals that all these sectors that come across are mostly SaaS models, AI models, otherwise climate models. So, you know, people want, now VCs are looking for more of, you know, the B2B revenue stream more than B2C. They want a a recurring source of, you know, money uh, revenue coming in.
0: That's really great that you have such a deep understanding of the market and of VC ecosystem. So how exactly did you get your start in the VC ecosystem? Was it like just accidental? Like, how did you get excited about the space? And like, where did you learn about the space from?
1: Uh, you know, uh, this starting off at the age of 16, I developed an app named StudentX. So it was like, you know, finding... It was, it used to help, you know, students find communities to get into. but the problem that happened was I did not have enough money to sustain that app because the demand was good. My friends were all downloading it. We had almost 25,000 downloads, but I wasn't able to upkeep it. And uh, when I tried to, you know, check out how the VC, how the funding segment work, it was really astonishing to see that, you know, how referrals play a key role. And how many people who don't have this idea of referral ecosystem, how do you actually reach out to a VC? Because if you go to any VC's website, everybody has the same uh, motto. Everybody is, you know, accessible, but uh, it takes, you know, stupendously a lot of time to, you know, reach out to a VC. And ideas are something you don't want to waste time upon especially, you know, in emailing or, you know, waiting for a response. So it, I, then I started, you know, building a network of VCs. I told them, how about I source your deal flows? I will vet, I will vet those deals. I will check them out. And if they meet your criteria, I will send it to you. And you wouldn't believe that, you know, just for example, just yesterday, I sent a deal across to XV. I got a response within four minutes. Tomorrow there's a meeting scheduled with that startup. So that's how the networking system works.
0: Okay, sure. So, let's start again with that. So, that's amazing that, you know, you are you are so embedded in the ecosystem now. So, my next question to you is, so, why such, FOMO is FOMO such a huge problem for founders and VCs? And how does one get a referral in this ecosystem?
1: Well, FOMO is not just, you know, for founders and VCs, but it's a problem for everyone. It's basic human psychology. Let's say somebody is giving me a Porsche. And somebody buys a new a newer model of that Porsche. I, wa- I want the newer model. I'm not happy with this Porsche. It's similar in the startup world. AI was the boom. AI is the boom. Okay. Now semiconductors are coming. Now they are the next boom. So, you know, the higher the thing goes, the bar always keeps growing bigger and higher. And always it keeps, uh, you know, evolving. So, but the problem that occurs with FOMO is... Uh, it's basically, you know, how saturated the specific market becomes. Now, EV is one such segment in India that is becoming more and more saturated. Because everybody has almost the, uh, uh, redundant business model. So that is the problem with FOMO that comes, you know, market being saturated because you're flushing the market with similar ideas again and again, and you're not having enough customers. to you know, b- keep your business afloat? So that is one problem with FOMO. And secondly, coming to your second question, you know, how the referral network works. You know, it's basically, we all wait for events to happen so that you can go there, you can have some introductions. We build, you know, referrals. But in the age of social media, if you're still waiting for events to come across, that means, that really shows, you know, uh, that really shows that you're not making the best use out of this, you know, social media facility. And that's what I did. I just made, you know, I just emailed VCs, I told them what they wanted, I got them on board, and then I started reaching out to startups, if you're looking to fundraise, I have a database. Now, at the moment, Scope has around 7,000 VC firms, 200 plus family offices that it operates with, more than 20,000 angel investors that it works with. And we have almost, you know, had more than 400 startups funded. So that's how it works. You know, referral really makes the whole process easy.
0: That's really great that, you know, you, you leverage the power of cold email in such a great way and also leverage the power of social media. So my next question to you, so how do you, so you've gone on all these phenomenal people on your podcast, like Tony Zhu, Kunal Bal. Did you just share, like, how do you craft a cold email and how do you follow up if your email doesn't get, like, responded when,
1: to? Well, one of the key traits of, of being an entrepreneur is being shameless. That's one of the key traits. And uh, when you are trying to reach out to such people, you need to figure out first before reaching out to them also, where are they most active? What are they talking about most interestingly right now on social media? What, you know, piques them a lot? Then send emails. Then I follow up until a point where I get a yes or a no. I'm not going to just, you know, leave that. I got, I uh, I emailed Alan Murray. Fortune CEO for an interaction. His uh, assistant reached out to me and told me, you know, at currently, we have uh, Alan's schedule is running busy, but we will keep in mind to reach out to you. Could you reach out to us in, you know, three or four months? I'm like, fine, I do reach out to them back. And they do respond. Same happens with Tony Shokunal Bar. Get a yes or a no, they do respond. They, it takes time also. You know, do, just don't spam their uh, inbox, but ensure that, you know, you are able to get a response out of them. If they say no, just be able to follow up with them in a manner that that's not a problem. Completely understand the busy schedule that you have ongoing. But in the near future, if you have any time, would love to still conduct the interaction. Then, you know, after a couple of months, then circle in again. And they do. They might say yes. So it's it's like that.
0: That's amazing. So my next question to you is, so how did you exactly get Tony Zhu and Kunal Bhal on your podcast? And would you share some of the maybe key insights that you learned interacting with these amazing personalities?
1: So, you know, for Kunal Bhal, it was basically emailing. I reached out. So you need to understand many people, you know, tend to email them directly, the people who you want to interact with. Now, if they're high profile people, okay, very high profile, you reach out to the PR team first. That's the one thing because if you spam if you send their inbox, if you mail it to their inbox, sometimes they get irritated, okay because they have a lot on the plate already. So it's best to reach out to the PR team, give you a value proposition that you have. and it will be easier for them to respond to you with a time and a date. And for Tony' Zhu, I there were uh, neo programs that were going on virtually and I used to you know get in those uh, sessions and I used to you know ask questions, Q and A's were there, I used to ask questions. And I used to, you know, build my uh, connection over there. So, you know, you need to figure out where these guys are the most. Secondly, try to reach out to their media team more. They are more responsive. The, they might, uh, Tony ju or Kunalwa, people like them might not be able to respond directly, but their PR teams do. It, it's the best strategy, actually. That has worked for me.
0: Yes, that is also a good point. And I think that's also one strategy that I've been employing is, Reaching out to their PR teams. Like I recently reached out to the PR team at Salesforce trying to get Mark Brenel onto my podcast. And they said he's not available at the time, but like at least I got a response, which is more than what I could say for trying to email him through his own personal Absolutely. Now, I wanted to get your insights on what is it like being a young founder and having the odds stacked against you to some extent. So, what advice do you have for these amazing young entrepreneurs out there?
1: So, well, you know, the odds are always stacked against you being a young founder, especially being a student entrepreneur. The odds are always stacked against you there is a lot of society pressure there's a lot of you know peer pressure you know you are doing something completely different and completely you know uh, uncertain the, the startup field is uncertain the chances of failing and succeeding are likely okay but the chances of failing are much higher sometimes and the problem that arises there is you have a lot of you know you have people make you realize you will have responsibilities Being careless is nothing like this. You you can't be careless like this. And then, you know, have security. But, you know, the most, uh, what do you say? The most common part in life is there is always uncertainty. Nothing is ever certain. So the faster you embrace uncertainty, the more certain your life becomes. And that's what, you know, student entrepreneurs need to, you know, be comfortable with. Always being uncertain. It's fine. Everybody's going through the phase. And uh, you know, believe in yourself. That is one big thing. You know, these are the underrated factors. Believing in yourself is, you know, everyone says it, but it's really important because when nobody puts faith in you, you having faith in yourself will help you a lot. That's another thing. And thirdly, the last point that I would want to say is, you know, working diligently, you know, uh, always being able to show up even if you lost one thing. Let's say you you got a rejection mail you have to go again to a next person it's fine again you're rejected it's fine third time fourth time so this is the most you know underrated thing again being consistent your network doesn't help you no matter if you have contact with Elon Musk also your network or your hard work sometimes you know doesn't help you as much as your consistency does so connections and all come at a very later stage Firstly, you need to be consistent so that you know your journey will be successful. So, that's another last point that I would like to state.
0: So, you touched a bit on um, belief capital so and people believing in you. So, for you, who were those kind of people for you that put the early belief capital in you, that supported you from day zero or day one or whatever you want to call it?
1: Well... I always say to, you know, the places I go to give talks, like, you know, colleges or everything. The first person you need to pitch and be able to convince is your parents. That is the first person you need to be able to pitch and convince. If you're able to do that, your first pitch is successful. So my first pitch and successful from day zero was my parents. So I'm being able to convince them and they're supporting me from day zero when things were uncertain. We didn't know I was going to succeed. Recently, Scope made, you know, in the last financial year, Scope made a revenue of 390 crores. So, over there, it turned out successful. So, you know, my parents were the biggest, you know, belief and capital which they put in. Yeah,
0: that's a really good point that parents are the first people you have to convince even before the society, even before... Our friends. So, my next question is So, what was the scrappiest thing that you did while building Scope?
1: Being annoying. That was one of the most horrible things I've done because, yeah, okay, if I I have to tell this exactly, you know, I'm a first gen entrepreneur. I don't know what, you know, term sheet, equity, what do you say, uh, uh, customer acquisition costs, CAC. I don't know any of these jargons okay I didn't know any of these jargons at the beginning as well uh but when you you do this initially and you you want a mentor so badly I used to reach out to people you know uh if they can be my mentor I was you know no I did not get a lot of response I mailed a lot of people then I reached out to Kim Peril if if you heard of the name Kim Peril uh she's one of the serial entrepreneurs and you know she had a last exit at 250 million dollars and no, she's one of the, she's one of the big shots. So I emailed her whether she would be interested to email you know a uh, pitch. Uh, I mean, invest in my startup. And I was, I, I was rejected, of course. But then I, you know, asked her, it's fine. Uh, I, I understand that I am still an early stage company, you know, with not much on my hand. But could you be my mentor? That was the second thing I asked. And you wouldn't believe she just said a yes and she, you know... Gave all the resources that she had that would be useful to me. And I, that gave me a really huge push. If somebody says no to something, try to leverage the person into something else. Because you don't want to lose out a contact. They will be useful to you in the long run. And Kim was really, you know, helpful to me. She was supportive and she gave the knowledge, which is the most valuable thing. So yeah, that's something I'm, you know, grateful of.
0: Yeah, I think what you mentioned here is really a good point, which is that if even if you get a note, try and leverage that for something else. I think that's a really profound point, a really really thought provoking point. And so my next question and my last question to you is so could you share a bit now moving away from all this talk about scope and cold emailing and all that, so could you share a bit about the AI race? Like What are your thoughts on the AI race? Are you for? Are you against it? Like, what's the deal with that?
1: Well, I can't AI is inevitable at the end of the day. We all have to agree to the fact. Okay. The sooner or later it it will happen. Okay. It's gonna be, you know, very ahead of things. But the only concern that, you know, arises with AI race is, you know, the control. If we have heard of, you know, the centralized AI systems or open AI platforms. So people are wanting more open AI platform. They want, control over, they want control over data. Now in recent times, because of AI, people are very self-aware of, you know, personal data, data handling, you know, how centralized AI systems can be of a huge problem when only few people have control over such, you know, super intelligence. Now WorldCoin is one such project, which is, you know, building... super intelligent system but the problem with ai at the end of the day is you know how controlled are we how uh, the development is going around it do we have rules and regulations in place in case things go haywire because at the current stage we are still at a very nascent stage so really uh you know that is my only concern having rules effective rules and regulations to keep you know big corporates in check while they're developing ai because In the AI race, everybody wants to be the best. But if they are not in check, things might just go south.
0: Yes, yes, you brought up a great concern. And so uh, could you share a bit, like, how can the audience reach you? And yeah, anything you could share on that?
1: So, you know, audience can reach me through Twitter. You can, you know, tag me or DM me. Or uh, you can connect with me on my LinkedIn, which is Apala double L A S A I K I R A N. Otherwise, you can feel, you feel free to DM me on Instagram as well. You know, I'm, mostly, I'm av- available to respond to the DMs or messages as much as I can. So that's basically it.
0: Amazing. So it was great interacting with you today and super excited to publish this episode and for the audience to hear your insights and like what you bring to the table.
1: Thank you so much Ruhi, I was, I was really glad, I'm really glad that I could share amazing insights and if those are useful, I, I'm you know happy and thank you for inviting to to your pod as well you know it's great that I've been seeing your tweets on you know the guests you're inviting and you know the insights that you're being able to collect. so I'm sure you know you will be in the next years you will be one of the biggest pods so Glad to be of the pod in a very early stage. Not sure whether I'll be able to come in the later stage when it becomes all big. But yeah, kudos to your work.
0: Thank you. And same to you, kudos to your work. Seeing all these impressive guests that you've got has made me even more inspired to be so much more ambitious and to just leverage that no as as a next step, like to get them to agree to something else. I think that's one thing I have to... Definitely start implementing more and start doing more.
1: Yep. Thank you, Ruby.
0: Thank you so much. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I have an open opportunity to reach this audience. So if you want to reach college students and freshers interested in startups and venture capital, And just in terms of the demographics, the age of 18 to 22 is the highest age demographic in India and US are the two largest country demographics of listeners for this podcast. Email me at bizpodruby at gmail.com. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and hope you've learned something new.